for those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Benjamin. Uh, my wife, Catherine, and I serve here, and um, I got a word for somebody. I got a word for somebody. Uh, I've been watching the, uh, the NFL draft. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with that. I've been watching a little bit this week, and uh, they always say, you're on the clock, and uh, I got this little clock right here, and I feel like I'm on the clock, so I'm going to get right to it. Y'all ready? Let's go. All right, so we're going to Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says, As Jesus was walking by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Simon's brother Andrew casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Father, thank you that you've got it. Father, help us to get it as we get it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the past couple weeks, Pastor Wade has had us in this sermon series in the middle. And from the conversations that I've had with Friends, students, uh, fellow staff, and and family members, I know that this message has been speaking directly into our lives. I know it has uh, for me because I can identify with with being in the middle. And I want you to know if you feel like it's been speaking directly into your life that that's not a coincidence. If you've been coming to Emerge for any period of time, you've probably heard the principle that our God is a God of order. All right, so God works in and through order. Order is pleasing to God. God blesses order. And it's, it's that order that the Holy Spirit can carry his word and the anointing that flows from him to you through the order of our pastor. So when, you, when you're sitting there and you feel like that this word is directly for you, that's because it is. And, and if you're sitting there and you're enjoying a freshly brewed cup of coffee, shout out Dream Team, and you feel like God is talking to you because you can focus because someone is taking care of your children and trying to get them closer to Jesus, shout out Dream Team. And, 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 you, and, and it just feels like God is speaking directly to you because you're sitting in a chair that's straight in a row that's organized and the, the, the floor is vacuumed. Shout out, Dream Team. That's because God is a God of order. He blesses order. He works in order. And I'm so thankful to have pastors that teach us about God's principle. Y'all give it up for our pastors. Pastor Wade, Pastor Cynthia. It's incredible. They're incredible. And so... God's been using Pastor Wade um, to give this word, God's word, to God's people. And this sermon series called In the Middle, is um, it's, it's from this place that I want to share a message with you today. Okay, you could say that this message is from the middle. And I, I, I'll admit, I'm in the middle right now. And I don't know if there's anybody else that's in the middle, but I got a word for you. And Something that I've found while being in the middle is I'll meet people or I'll get to know people or I'll observe people or I'll look at people, and it's, it's, it's the, all the, the highlights, all the good things, all the positive attributes that I, that I notice, and I, and I take and I observe from every person that I get to know, 
And maybe you're like me, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the only one that's weird in here that does this, but like when I, when I look at someone, I'll think about what their life looks like, and I'll say like, man, look at that guy. He's got it made. You know, or I'll meet this, 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 this lady and I'll learn about her job or her career or her life or whatever. Like, man, look at that lady right there. She's got it made. Am I the only one that does this? Like, do you ever, do you ever look around and see somebody else and you think to yourself, like, man, they've, they've got it made. And the funny thing is there are literally people in this room right now, people that I know, that I look at and I think, they got it made. They have got it made. But the funny thing is that we all think that somebody else has it made. But nobody thinks that they got it made. Isn't that funny? Like, like th- there are people in here. You know who you are. I think that you got it made. And so on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to stand up because you got it made. And we, we're going to bring you up and let you preach the sermon today. All right? I know you got it made. So on the count of three, one, two, three, stand up. Nobody thinks that they got it made, but we do this all the time, right? We look at, look at that car. Look at that house. Look at that job. Look at their kids. They obey. They're not running around like maniacs. They've got it made. We always think that somebody else has it made. But nobody thinks that they got it made. So today I want to speak to the person that's uncomfortable. I want to speak to the person that has questions and doubt. And I want to speak to the person that's confused and frustrated and you're considering quitting. Because you feel like you're in the place of bend but don't break. But the camel's back can't take not one more straw because it's about to break. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about not, not even like the, 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 the paper straws, the biodegradable 100% paper straws that they give out at the coffee shop that's supposed to save the planet. I can't handle one of those. I got news for you. The straws ain't saving the planet. It ain't the straws. I'm sorry to all the baristas in the house, all the baristas tuning in online. It ain't the straws. It ain't the straws. But I got something I want to share with you. Okay, and this is this is one thing that I love about sharing God's word. All right. It's not just sharing God's word with you. That's great. Don't get me wrong. But something that's even sweeter, that's even better is sharing God's word with you so that you can share God's word with the people around you. See, see, you are made to show him to them. And so I want you to I want you to do it right now. I want you to look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you got it made. Now turn to your other neighbor, the one that you didn't choose first. I hope that you chose your wife first. Look at your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, I got it made. That is the title of today's message. Today's message from the sermon series in the middle is got it made in the middle. We got it made in the middle. So here we are in Mark chapter 1, all right? This is a very popular portion of Scripture. It's when Jesus calls his first disciples. And something that I find pretty cool about studying uh, Mark in this story, you know, it's also referenced in Matthew. It's also referenced in Luke, but they're not the same. 
Mark describes it one way, Matthew describes it another, and Luke describes it another. And so I want to focus on Mark for a couple reasons, because firstly, Pastor Wade had us in Mark chapter 6 last week. If you didn't catch last week's sermon, you really, really, really need to go online, YouTube, check out the Emerge Church YouTube channel, and check out last week. So this whole sermon series has been speaking, and you can't get God's word if you don't tune in. So tune in online, get here some way, somehow, and get God's word in you. So I want to focus on Mark because that's where we were last week. And for congruency's sake, but specifically the language that Mark uses, the words. And one thing to get, you know, before we get going, I learned this this week as well. You know, Mark was not one of the original 12 disciples, right? Like you think about the 12 disciples, you've got Matthew, James, John, the ones that are in this story, Simon, also known as Peter. Uh, there's his brother, Andrew. Um, help me out. There's Comet, there's Cupid, there's Donner. <laughs> Sleepy, grumpy Doc, and Judas. Can't forget Judas. Judas. But no, Mark. Mark was not one of the 12. But we've got four gospel accounts, and Mark is one of the four. How? If Mark wasn't there, how did he know to write these things? It's because somebody told him about Jesus. See, Mark was a disciple of Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And so Mark is following Jesus because Peter told him about him. Mark is following Jesus, not because he knew Jesus. Not because he got to encounter Jesus. Mark is following Jesus because Peter followed Jesus. Who's following Jesus because of you? That's not in the notes, and so I got to get, I, I get back to where I'm at right now. I'm off. That was, not, that was for somebody because it wasn't in the notes. Like I was saying, all right, it's the language. It's the words that Mark uses to illustrate these points I want us to focus on. Like, have you ever, know, have you ever known anyone that just, like, talks? They just talk to talk. Like, they just talk to Philip, don't, don't look at anybody right now. Like, they just talk, and, and they, they're good at talking. They fill up, you know, the time and the air and the space with their words. And um, God is not like that, okay? God doesn't mince words. As a matter of fact, Jesus warns us against careless or idle words. God is very specific with the words that he chooses. And I think we should pay close attention to the one who created language and the words that he uses, there may be something specific that he's trying to communicate us, communicate to us through his servant Mark. So if I could bring up verse 16, look at verse 16. It says, as Jesus was walking by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw. We're going to visit this phrase a couple times today. So if you take notes, whether it's, you know, with a pencil and pad or in your phone. It's two words. There's like six words I'm going to ask you to write down today. These are two of them. He saw. I want you to write that down. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw. Question, can you see something that you're not looking at? Like if you've never seen it before, can you see something that you're not looking at? The answer is no. If you're going to see something, you have got to be looking at it. It's got to get your attention. It's got to hold your focus. This tells me that Jesus' eyes were fixed on them. He saw them. He was going somewhere. He was doing something, but he saw Simon and Peter. Right where they were, right where they had always been, he saw them. 
Jesus' eyes were fixed on them, and I want you to know that Jesus' eyes are fixed on you. Just as he saw them right there, he sees you right where you are. And if you're struggling with dark thoughts, if you're struggling with thoughts that you have never told anyone else, I want you to know that Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you just as he saw them. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you. You're not in it by yourself. They were in the boat. They were looking at their nets, but Jesus was looking at them. So here we are. This is, this is the day. Mark 1, this is the day where Simon and Andrew decide to quit their job and pursue a career in ministry. This is the day. So Jesus is walking by the sea of Galilee, and he saw them. Right? This is the day that it begins. But we've been preaching out of this sermon series called In the Middle. And Pastor Wade had us in the middle last week. I want to just cross-reference out of Matthew's account where we were last week. Matthew 14, 29, 30. Check this out. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Holy Spirit, help me. I want you to to try to get this. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Peter. Peter was walking on the Sea of Galilee. He saw the wind. Jesus saw Peter. I love Jesus' consistency. This is a picture of Jesus' consistency, if you can just get it. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, Jesus was looking at at the same thing every time. Think about it. Jesus was walking by the sea. He saw Peter. Jesus was, Peter was walking on the sea. He saw the wind. Jesus is looking at Peter in both stories. In the first one, Peter is looking at his nets. Peter is looking at his boat. Peter is looking for fish. Peter is not looking at Jesus. Jesus is looking at Peter. Peter is focused on his job. Peter is focused on his tasks. Peter is focused on the things around him. But Jesus is focused on Peter. Fast forward. Peter is walking on the sea. Jesus is walking on the sea. Jesus is looking at Peter. Peter is looking at the wind. Can you even see wind? You can't. Peter is not looking at Jesus in either story. But in both stories, Jesus is looking at Peter. I'm here to tell you that Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you when the winds are blowing. Jesus sees you when you're at work. Jesus sees you when, it's, when you're in the middle of a storm. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Man, if we could just get that, Jesus sees you. He's looking at Peter in both stories. But the question is, what are you looking at? Are you looking at your nets? Are you looking at the wind? Or are you looking at Jesus because you can't see the things you don't look at? The author of Hebrews puts it like this. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us run with perseverance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
Peter's path was marked out for him. And he didn't sink when his eyes were on Jesus. But when our eyes get fixed on the winds of life, when our eyes get fixed on the rainy seasons, when our eyes get fixed on anything other than the author, anything other than the pioneer, anything other than the champion and the perfecter of our faith, we're not going to go where he's called us. And it doesn't matter the direction. In this story, Peter sank. You can go down. You can go up. You can experience miracles. You can experience struggles. You're not going to go where Jesus is calling you if your eyes aren't fixed on the perfecter of your faith. You can't see what you're not looking at. You can't see what you're not looking at. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. How many people in here know that the Bible is the truth? It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth not only for what it does say, but it's also the truth for what it does not say. Let's look at it like this. Put it back up on the screen. Hebrews 12. Jesus, it says, Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. That's what it says. Look at what it does not say. Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our life. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. He's not the perfecter of your life. This notion or this idea that we can have the picture-perfect life, it's a straight-up fantasy. It's a lie. And if the enemy can get you distracted thinking that they got it made, but you don't got it made, he can keep you from going to where Jesus is calling you because he's the perfecter of your faith. He's not the perfecter of your life. But what you can have, even though you cannot have a perfect life, you can have a life full of love. You can have a life full of joy. You can have a life full of peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can I get an amen for some self-control? You can have a life full of wisdom. You can have a life full of discernment. He is the perfecter of your faith. He's the perfecter of your faith. Please notice what happened to the disciples after the storm. Matthew 14, 33. It says, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. How can you know him as healer if you've never been sick? How can you know him as the way if you've never been lost? How can you know him as the truth if you've never been deceived? How can you know him as the resurrection if you've never had something in your life that looks dead and gone, but then he spoke one word and gave life? He gave beauty for ashes because he's the resurrection. Unless you've ever been in a place where it looks like there's an ocean of closed doors in front of you, and the enemy is behind you with all the chariots, but then not a moment too soon, the one they call the Waymaker shows up on the scene. You can't know him. You can't know him. You can't know him like that unless you've been in the storm. How can you know him as Lord if you've never lived submitted? As Jesus was walking by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Simon's brother Andrew casting a net for they were 
fishermen. I need you to write these two words down. They were. They were. All their life, all they had ever known, all they had ever been told of what they would be and what their life would look like, the only thing that they'd ever become, they were fishermen. But Jesus didn't see them for only what they were. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't see you for what you were? Thank you, Jesus. Somebody tell Jesus thank you that he doesn't see you for what you were. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Jesus doesn't see you the way that you see you. Jesus doesn't see you the way that your parents see you. Jesus doesn't see you the way that your friends see you. Jesus doesn't see you the way that your ex-wife sees you. Jesus doesn't see you the way that the doctors see you. Jesus doesn't see you the way that your dad sees you. Jesus doesn't see you the way anybody else sees you. He didn't see them for what they were. He saw them for what he could make them. He saw them for what he could make them. Look at it. Verse 17. It says, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He saw they were, I will make you. Jesus saw them right where they were. Despite all the facts, everything that he saw, he spoke the truth to them right where they were. And he said, I know you hadn't seen it yet. Matter of fact, nobody's seen it yet except for in the eyes of the Father, but I will make you. You're not there yet. And you don't have what it takes yet. You haven't been there before, but where I'm taking you, I will make you. That's why we say all the time the best is yet to come. At this church, we believe because we know if you are still alive, if there's still breath in your lungs, God has something else for you. And if God has it for you, oh, I hope I feel my help coming on. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God has something for you in your future, you haven't experienced it yet. And what God gives is good. The best is yet to come. But he will make you. You're not it yet. And it's not only about what Jesus can do, because Jesus will do his part. This is not a solo act. This is a joint venture. Notice what he says before he says, I will make you. Because that's the truth. He will make you. But it comes with a condition. Notice what he says. Follow me. Follow me and I will make you. Follow me, then I will make you. Follow me as I make you. See, it's in the middle where you get made. Please get it, please get it, please get it, please get it. It's in the middle where you're made. James, this is Jesus' half-brother, right? They share the same mom, not the same dad. That was a joke. James, <laughs> James did not follow Jesus when he was on earth. His half-brother did not believe in him when he was on earth, but it was after he saw what he came to be. When he said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the resurrection, when James experienced it in the middle, that's when James could confess. That's when James believed. James says, one, uh, chapter 1, 3 and 4, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. He will make you. He will make you. So when, when, when people ask you, hey, where'd you get faith like that? You can tell them I got it made. When, when people ask you, I really wish I had patience like you. Where'd you. How'd you get patience like that? You tell them I got it made. Where'd you get that kindness? I got it made. Where'd you get your resiliency? I got it made. Where'd you get a marriage like that? Oh, I got it made. I got it made in the middle. See, I was in the middle of a storm, but if you remember how I started, I was at a miracle, and then I went through a storm, and if you see where I'm going, I'm going to another miracle. I got it made in the middle. I got it made. Where'd you get a family like that? Oh, I got it made. I got it made. I got it made. Say it over your life. Say, I got it made. I got it made, because that's the truth. He will make you. These are the three points that I need you to take with you today. Number one, he saw. And I need you to know that Jesus sees who you are. He sees who you are, and he sees where you are. He saw. Number two, they were. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And guess what? Jesus doesn't care. Jesus was, just wants you. That's all he wants. He doesn't care where you were. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't he didn't care where you were last night. He just cares that you're here today. And he said, I know what you were. And it doesn't matter because I still got something for you. Number three, I will make you. Jesus will make you into who he made you to be. Jesus will make you into who he made you to be. Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, verse 8. It puts it like this. It says, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and we all are the work of your hand. See, this is how life was intended to be lived as the clay. But so often we try to be the maker. We try to be the maker of our careers. We try to be the maker of our families. We try to be the maker of our bank accounts. We try to be the maker of everything that comes in our path. We try to be the maker. But don't you know you weren't intended to live like that? You were created. You were made to be made. You were made to be the clay. Think about the clay. There's no pressure. There's no stress. The only requirement that the clay has is to stay in the hands of the maker. Just stay in the hands of the maker. If it's your marriage, just keep it in the hands of the maker. If it's your children, just keep them in the hands of the maker. If it's your career, if it's your grades, if it's your tests, whatever it is, just keep it in the hands of the maker. And it's in the hands of the maker where you will be made. You will be made in the middle. Because it's who he is. It's who he created you to be. Made by him. Fashioned by him. For I knew you. 
even before you were in your mother's womb, I made you. That's the gospel truth. But we so easily forget because we're running the race and the pressures and the stressors and the circumstances, the winds, the rains of life. We think that this can't be right. This is not the perfect life. It's because it wasn't intended to be perfect. He's got something for you in it. He will make you in it. And when you come out of it, you will be made. You will be lacking in nothing. And you will be mature. I can identify with this message because this is where I'm at. I'm not preaching to you from theory. I'm preaching to you from real time. And my prayer has been, God, just keep me in your hands. Don't let me out of your hands, God. Don't take your hands off of me. I would have never imagined it like this. I never would have drawn it up like this. I never would have imagined that it would have been this hard. But if your hands are on me, we can make it through. And so I want to extend an invitation. If there's something in your life that you need him to make, I want to encourage you to put it in his hands. Maybe it's your marriage. I want you to put it in his hands. Maybe it's your career. I want to encourage you to put it in his hands. If you know that you need to get made by the maker, I'm asking you to stand up out of your seat right now. I want you to come down to the front because we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you while you're in the middle. While you're in the making, we're going to pray for you because he's making you in the middle. Come on down. Come and get it. God's got something for you. Are you going to be here to receive it? Prayer team, come down. Pastors, come down. Lay your hands on God's people. Father God, look down on us and find us in your hands. Our hopes, our dreams, our children, our marriages, our lives. God, don't take your hands off of us. God, we want to be made, but we don't want to be self-made. We want to be made by the maker because what you have for us, no eye has seen, no mind can comprehend what the father has for his children and your children are crying out, God. We have doubts. Father, cure our disbelief. Help us fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. Put your hands on your people today, God. We lift up everything, everything that we came in here carrying today. We put it in your hands because you're trustworthy. You can be trusted. Even though we don't know, we don't understand, you are still God and you are still good and you can be trusted. So we put it in your hands and we take our hands off of it. We take our hands off of it, God. All we want is to be made by the maker. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
and amen. Amen and amen. Come on. He's the maker. He's the maker. Do you want to get made? You can get made by the maker. But it starts with an invitation to follow Jesus. That's what he said. Follow me and I will make you. I want everybody to stand to your feet. And if you've never had a chance to know him as Savior, if you've never had a chance to know him as Lord, I got good news for you. His hands are out. He's extended an invitation today. So with eyes closed, hands lifted all over this place. For those that are coming to the Father for the first time or for those that are recommitment, uh, re- making a recommitment of their faith, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the pioneer, and repeat after me. Say, thank you, God, that you see me, that you know me, and that you made me. Father, forgive me because I've tried to do it on my own. But today I'm laying it down and I'm putting it in your hands. I ask you to change me. I ask you to make me. I ask you to renew me. I ask it by the name of Jesus, by the name of the Father, and by the name of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, tell somebody about it.